This is Vlad Horseman, and you're listening to Hokey Aquarium. I've really got to stop with these promos. They're getting ridiculous. This is Hockey Aquarium. This is the NWHL Draft Day 2 Special. I'm your host, Dave Pendries. No one can stop me because I'm the only one running this thing. All right. So, Day 2 of the NWHL Draft today. Got some reaction based on the picks. Going to run through those real quickly. Then I've got some questions about how the draft went, and I'll dive into those in a minute. So, let's do the next three rounds. Very interesting results to what happened. So, Riveters were up first. They took Courtney Wittig out of University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire. Go Blue Golds! This was uh, the first Division Three pick. In fact, I think it's the it's the only Division Three choice of the entire draft. Usually, we've been seeing Division Three players often signed as free agents. Rarely are they drafted. So it was very interesting to see that that um, occurred. The Riveters uh, uh, chose her. She had set, she has 17 points this season so far. She lives in Wisconsin, so I'm not sure what the dynamic is there, but maybe the Riveters are hoping to lure her to the luscious state of Metropolitan. Okay, Connecticut Whale drafted Caitlin Ray out of Merrimack. She uh, has 18 points this season, lives in Ontario, so we'll see how that goes, but obviously Merrimack is in North Andover, Massachusetts, which is practically in Ontario. Um, she is an incredibly dynamic offensive player. I've seen her in a few games. I've watched her in a few other ones, you know, online. Just um, she's a, a name constantly being called by the play-by-play -play guys, guys and gals. and uh, that's, that's a remnant of an older time. The play-by-play -play people. Um, Ray is just really often in the offense, just very, very good. I mean, 18 points this season. And Hockey East has been tough. You know, Merrimack's playing a lot of tough opponents. Merrimack has been a program that has, uh, you know, overachieved compared to where their expectations were, considering they were a relatively new program. But they've defeated plenty of teams that people were not expecting them to beat. This year, they're looked at as a contender in Hockey East overall. And that's saying something, considering, you know, you've got Boston College and about you got Northeastern, you got BU. And so it's just... Merrimack's been doing great, and Caitlin Ray is a major reason for that. She would be a huge signing for the Whale. Adding her in would just be fantastic. She'd just be great on the Whale, and so hopefully they can get her. The Buttes went to Colgate and got Jesse Eldridge. She has, uh, I think this is 23 points. If not, it's over 20 points this season. She's from Ontario. And not close to uh, Buffalo either. We're talking up there. But, you know, hopefully that won't be an issue. Um, when I saw her in a few games versus uh, QU, Yale over the past couple of years, Sark got a goal. She takes a lot of shots. She has great stick handling. I noted that when I was writing it down. And if I'm noting it, that means she's very good because, you know, you know me. Um, she got a lot of turnovers. She blocks shots. She does She does it all. So she's trying to score offensively. She's generating turnovers, blocking shots. Just very, very, very impressive player if the Buttes can get her. Um, and she'll be joining some of her Colgate teammates. Minnesota drafted Lauren Boyle out of or or 
Oregon State. Yeah. Uh, go Beavers. Um, Ohio State. The Ohio State University. Um, I don't know a lot about her play. I did see Ohio State earlier this year, but I don't have any notes on the game. She's from California, so that'll be an interesting thing to see if the Whitecaps can bring her in. The uh, Boston Pride drafted Emily Clark out of University of Wisconsin, a forward. She was a Canadian Olympian, silver medalist. Uh, I heard her name called a lot in the tournaments. So uh, clearly, she's been being looked to as a as a new player that you know Team Canada can uh, rely on. She lives in Saskatchewan, so um, that's quite a ways from Boston. But Boston is a happening city. It has a lot of great restaurants, and hopefully, that will uh, draw in Emily Clark. So, in the fourth round, the Riveters turned to Merrimack and drafted Paige Voigt, a Ford. She has nine goals this year and uh, and uh, lives in Minnesota, so that's interesting. But obviously, Merrimack is closer to New York than Minnesota is. And I say New York, even though it's in New Jersey. And, um, and uh, you notice how I go through the whole Metropolitan stick every single time? I just won't let it go. I guess I just won't let it go. Anyway, anyway. Um, I don't have a lot of notes on Paige Voigt, but I have seen her play. I just don't have a lot uh, to add on that. But, I mean, she has nine goals. That's pretty impressive. And Merrimack's doing well this year. So, clearly, she's making a major difference there. The Connecticut Whale kept the draft in the Merrimack camp and drafted Dominique Kramer. She's a defender. And, oddly enough, uh, she has 12 points this year. That's not oddly enough. Uh, but she is from North Dakota, so that will be an interesting question of whether she will be able to um, join the whale. Maybe she can commute from North Dakota. Um, I don't know how easy it is to book the triplane flight, and it's only one time. It's only once a once a week you can catch the triplane out of North Dakota. But um, nonetheless, um, you know. I don't know a lot about her play, but again, defenders are tough. I mean, she has 12 points. That's pretty offensive for a defender. But, you know, I don't know a lot about her defensive abilities, but Merrimack's playing very well. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't doubt the whale in, in being able to pick good defenders. Their defensive core is very good. The Buttes returned to Colgate and drafted Olivia Zavuto. Zavuto. A defender. She has 12 points this season. She hails from Niagara Falls. So there's a good location right there. Um, one of the notes I had, I, one of the games Colgate played against Quinnipiac, I noticed, I wrote down, she kept the puck in the zone extreme an extreme amount of times. So that was noticeable that she was keeping the play alive in the offensive zone. So you got to give credit for that. She um, was also setting up offensive opportunities so you have a defender that is clearly offensive minded trying to keep plays going trying to set up plays so i mean that would fit very well into the buttes offense where you know they have you know a lot of defenders who can really um strike from you know from the point and such like that moving to minnesota minnesota drafted from the bc eagles grace bazal she um Lives in Minnesota, so that may uh, that may help draw her in. Uh, 
reads like she has 12 points this season, I believe. I, I hope that's not a typo. I believe that's on there. What I noticed from her is uh, versus QU a couple of years ago, she had five blocks in the game. And also, impressively to me, one of the on one of the plays, Quinnipiac's offense was much more potent in that game. Uh, Katie Burke got drawn away by the uh, original shot, I believe, and that opened up the net. Bazal got in the got in front of it, made the save herself. So that was impressive. She um, she was when the Eagles played the Pride a couple of years ago in an exhibition game. She was very disruptive of several Pride offensive plays. So she's really just proven herself to be very good defensively. So it'd be a big pickup for the Whitecaps. And obviously, you're on the BC Eagles. You know, you, you've you've already proven you know quite a quite a skill set. The Buttes drafted the only goaltender of the draft, and I, I do apologize if I do not get this pronunciation right. I am basing it off of other play-by-play uh, -play calls I've heard. Uh, Lovisa Salander, or Salander, um, you know, uh, out of RPI, she uh, has a 1.944, I believe, goals against average this season, and... Um, could have written that wrong. It might be 1.914. So, but 1.9, needless to say, and I believe she has a 9.44 save percentage. She hails from Sweden, the only international player outside of Canada taken in the draft. She has been widely regarded as an excellent goaltender in the ECAC. Doesn't get as much attention as other goaltenders may be because RPI has not been that great. But she has been excellent. You know, it's it's just been um, throughout her career, she's been seen as just a, a top goalie, um, no matter how RPI's fortunes have been. And that certainly was the case um, when I saw her in action. And so, I mean, the Buttes have fantastic goaltending, but why not? Why not add to that? You know, you don't know where you know your the, the goalies are going to be next year. You don't know where Shannon Savados is going to be. You don't know. Um, where, um, you know, every time I do this, I'm going to get Hensley and Rigsby confused, and I shouldn't be able to do that. But um, needless to say, uh, as he kills time trying to look it up on his phone, needless to say, you don't know where any goaltenders are going to end up each year. And, um, and, and so it's always good to restock because you may lose, you know, you may lose that those players. You know, if you look at the transition between year one and two in the NWHL, how many um, how many uh, uh, you know play, you know goalies you know changed hands, and um, it's just uh, you know okay, yeah. Nicole Hensley is on the Buttes, and Alex Risby is elsewhere. So, um, so yay for me Googling that. So yeah, you, but you don't know where any of those players are going to end up or what their future is going to be. Salander is going to be an, an, an excellent player if the Buttes can bring her in. And, um, so that's a long, long rant on that as I try to kill time. So next round, oh, not the Buttes. I apologize. The pride. I wrote down B instead of P there. So before you make any angry letters, the pride picked Salander. So I'm just going to leave that in. I don't edit this thing. You can see me make the errors. So the pride, yes. Well, you have Katie Burt, you have Brittany Ott, you you know Madison Litchfield. Everybody in the in the in the hopper there always makes sense to uh, 
see if they can draw her in. Um, you don't have to send me tweets now. I saw it. Okay. Um, so that's a, just a fan, fantastic pick by the Prime. Okay, now that train on fire is... Uh, and by the way, I looked it up. There was a trash train on fire, and it actually passed through Hartford two years ago. So there is such a thing as a garbage train fire, trash train fire, literally a dumpster fire on wheels. Okay. And I just proved it right now. It can happen again. Okay. So Riveters drafted Kaylee Hutchinson out of Maine. Um, she is from Hicksville, New York, so that does put her in range of um, of at least, you know, the 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 realm of it i did not google where hicksville is uh, i mean i should know you know in the most people know of a party place like hicksville but um i don't know a lot about uh, hutchinson um i've seen maine a few times but i just i'm not familiar too much with her um skill set so i'm gonna have to leave it at that uh the whale drafted uh maggie either leg or lagoo i do apologize for not knowing that one defender out of robert morris uh, she has 15 points on the year, so that's something. And uh, she lives in Vermont, so certainly, you know, potentially the whale can bring her in. Uh, the whale could certainly use... The whale have a lot of uh, defensive defenders, but they could surely use more offensive defenders. So that would clearly be a, um, a, um, a uh, an advantage for them. That would be a really good pickup if they can bring her in. Then the Buttes, I'm sure about this. This is the Buffalo Buttes now. Drafted Nicole Schammel out of Minnesota. She lives in Red Wing, Minnesota, which is interesting. Um, has a bunch of points this season. Just a ton of points. So I don't know if the Buttes are taking a flyer on her or um, what. It's... Um, be interesting if they can bring her in. I mean, obviously, if the Buttes, if the Buttes can put, you know, a top six of defenders out there who can all score on you badly, I mean, that'd be lethal to have to deal with. Um, Minnesota drafted Carly Lund out of Princeton. Every game I saw her in, she had an assist and um, just was a very solid player. Uh, she hails from Minnesota, so Minnesota seems to be making a, a location choice, trying to bring her in as a 15 points this season. Just, um, just a quality player. I uh, can't talk too much about it. I didn't know. I don't have a lot of her, uh, much more about her game, but clearly she's setting up shots. And Princeton has been an up and down team the past few years. Probably her statistics would be less than, lower than um, expected because the team has had some, uh, had some down years, but that doesn't affect the uh, quality of the team. I mean, the quality of her play. Uh, they're doing all right this year. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And the last pick by the Pride. Jenna Riolt, uh, forward out of UNH. Don't know a lot about her. Mindelay, I have not seen UNH, which just amazes me. I haven't seen UNH crossing paths with them so far. She lives in New Hampshire, so certainly uh, close enough for the Pride to uh, make some overtures. Obviously, obviously, with any of these draft picks, you know they can move because they have a job. They have, who knows, you know. So we're just sort of going off of location, but so we'll see what happens there. All right. But I have questions about how this draft went. Now, first of all, I've been giving the NWHL crap, as it were, about having the draft in the middle of the day, having the draft in the middle of the season. You know, 
just the, the stuff that didn't make sense. And I'm not alone in that, but so I've been doing that, even calling the NWHL staff either vampires or reverse vampires or afraid of vampires. I didn't call them vampires. Um, putting that aside, I will, I want to give credit where it is due. The way they use Twitter to unveil the draft picks, have quotes ready to go from the coaches and sometimes the players themselves. And you would then have the programs that had their draftees would be retweeting and talking up what had happened. It was very well coordinated and choreographed. So through that time period where this draft was happening, not just the NWHL was talking about it, but all the college programs involved were talking about it. And that was getting generating buzz, getting people going, oh, wait, what's going on? This is interesting. Okay, what's happening? So I give the NWHL full credit for making that happen. That was that was a that I believe was a, a very uh, good move. Um, and now I don't know if that couldn't be arranged at a time when more people were you know uh, paying attention. Um, I may be underestimating the amount of people that slack off of work, <laughs> but um, but needless to say, I give credit on that. I think that was done very well. I think that was done well because what it did is it got the information out there and it got the supporting information out there so that the press that could cover it and the working press who and the and the anybody who's following like college accounts and certainly college reporters who don't have the work schedule that we may have um, could follow, figure out, learn about what the players are about, learn about what was happening and build off of that. I give full credit on that. Here's so I have many, many questions about this. The question, the first of all, questions I had last night is I'm wondering how they talked to the athletes about this, how they got quotes, like how did that get through the compliance process? And you know, sort of, and with that, get, how that happened. So were the players able to accept? being drafted or not like if they're giving a quote like you'd think that say the you know, say you know the NWHL calls up player x or, or even goes to the coach of player x and says they're planning to draft her well what if the player and they said well now you know can we get a quote can we do this well what if the player says well why would i give a quote i'm not going to do this or i'd rather not give a quote i don't know anything about this this is my plan so then does does it get back to the team the, the, the nwhl and say okay we're not going to draft them then so i kind of wonder how that process was played out you know whether or if somehow they knew these players would accept in principle being drafted so they just would do that and then come back but even so even if a, even somehow that word passed through in the above board what if you know in i don't know september player x says yeah great and then in december you know buffalo says hey we're drafting you and she's thinking well i'm going to estonia for next year to save the whales um i'm not sure that's necessarily works geographically but i'm just saying that if somebody had a change in plans and then suddenly the league learns this and like okay now what do we do so i want i i wonder about that whole sequencing i would love to know how that occurred um 
I would love to know how it was all sort of choreographed so that all the programs who were affected were on board. Like, did the NWHL have to say, okay, we want to do this, and have to go to the programs and saying, well, if we do it these two days, will you guys all be there? And was there even was there any back and forth between some of the programs saying, well, maybe we will, maybe not? I mean. The sports information directors, surely they're working, you know, normal hours, I'd imagine. I'm not sure they're hours. They certainly have student assistance. So theoretically, there was players available, but they had to be there to, you know, wait for the draft to be announced, set it up. So I don't know um, how that was orchestrated. I'd like to know just how that coordination uh, worked. And... Um, I'd like to know how the draft was conducted and when it was conducted, because it was clearly not conducted as it happened the past two days. That wouldn't have been possible for them to generate the draft picks like that and then coordinate it like that and have the quotes ready to go like that. It's certainly and because because that's another question. Did they reach out to potential draft picks, you know, for quotes? Because, I mean, many of them knew who was drafting them. So they were saying, you know, we're, we're honored to be selected by this, you know. So clearly there was some pre-preparation, pre-preparation, I'm inventing words. But so when was the actual draft held? And, and I'd like to know, it was either a year, I think it was a year, it was a year ago when Haley Moore was first appointed as deputy commissioner. There was a media call and she was asked how... Um, with no general managers in the league anymore at the time, how the teams picked players like and and she had said that it was a sort of a collaborative effort with the league office involved and the coaches involved, essentially, which suggested to me that it's not exactly like, you you know, you may not have a situation like, you know, you'll see in a typical draft where all the teams are arranged out and they're wheeling and they're dealing and they're trying to find the best deal and snatch you know, players away from the other teams. And I don't know if you're sitting there and there's a room and, you know, or there's a conference call going on, you have the five teams there and they're all trying to outmaneuver the others, or if there's more back and forth, if there's, you know, or even, you know, who knows if there's a case where, you know, um, you know, the Riveters say, well, we want to draft player X. And then Minnesota says, you know, but she's in Minnesota. And, what if, you know, what if we didn't draft player Y and you can draft player, you know, you can draft player Y, player Y lives in, you know, Hackensack and, and, you know, this can all, you know, we can all work this out so it makes sense. Or, you know, you know, and certainly from a PR perspective, you know, the, the league sort of led with some of the, the top talent being drafted, which made sense, but it's a question of also was there any, discussion over what would be best for the league as opposed for the uh, players. Like, I mean, say you didn't know where these players are going to go and you're drafting and say, say, you know, say you're sitting there as the whale and you're like, okay, there's no way these Wisconsin players are going to play for the whale and, or you're the Riveters or whatever you're saying, you're saying that and you're like, okay, we'll just draft, you know, the art, the top of our board. And then, and then suddenly you see this sort of draft comes out and, you know, the national team players are going to, you know, Minnesota or Buffalo and the whale led with, you know, you know, somebody nobody's ever heard of per se. 
And that's not, I'm not trying to diminish the players here. I'm just saying that you could have a situation where people are saying, hey, that's odd. But in this case, the talent looked very sparely spread out. So hopefully, I don't know. I'm, uh, this isn't meant to be conspiracy theory. It's just we don't know how the process plays out. And it'd be great to know, especially because it clearly was more choreographed than other things may be. Um, and so, I mean, I'd also like to wonder um, who made the decisions. I mean, like, like, I mean, you know, like, were the coaches involved oh, in what sense and or was, I mean, and in Buffalo, for instance, was was you know Nick Fate or Nick Fatty? I'm not sure. I keep keep hearing different pronunciations. As he's as he's the GM, is he operating in a more independent manner because the Buttes have their own structure and they're not owned by the league? So what were they? You know, how did they approach the draft? Um, and also, I mean, also in his case, he's the GM. But now he has an interim coach, and he doesn't know where his coach is going to be. When did he make the decisions over what personnel to bring in? Did he make decisions in consultation with Cody, or what? You know, what did? How was that come to play? You know, in terms of the Buttes trying to, you know, bring about their future, and certainly in the other cases. I mean, um, you know, it makes sense for Ryan Equality to make choices for the whale. He's been there; he knows where it's going. Makes sense. For Paul Mar Mara to make choices for the um, for the pride. I mean, certainly the cadre of people running the Whitecaps makes sense for them to be making the picks. You know, they sort of they have a long term idea that you know it sort of makes sense. But now, but the question is with the Riveters, who was making the call there? Because it, you know, was it Randy Velashek? And if so, that's a very tricky thing because it seems fairly obvious that, I mean, I think it was confirmed by other media reports that a lot of the Riveters construction this year was due to Chad Wiseman's involvement in helping to bridge the gap. But now you have Randy in charge and Randy, who most famously thought the Riveters will not score a lot of goals, when <laughs> the Riveters are supposed to score a lot of goals. Um, I mean, Randy has run the Riveters into the ground. If he's making personnel decisions, uh, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. And certainly, the Riveters have, in some respects, some of the strangest choices in in terms of, you know, I mean, not in terms of. Um, sort of spread out. I mean, one of the players is from New York. One of the players is from New Jersey. But, you know, you have players from Wisconsin. You have players um, from Minnesota. So, I mean, you know, Carly Lund got, lives in Minnesota but plays for Princeton. You know, you have Kelly Nash and Kelsey Colzer as Princeton players you know you might have been able to draw her into the fold but she goes to minnesota instead um so i don't know i you know i don't know what they know you know so but offhand if you had if you gave me if you showed me all five draft classes you said who is the most precarious who who who's made the made the the picks that knowing what we know that seems strange um that would probably be the riveters picks so so I don't know. Um, 
I, I wonder. So those are the questions I have. I hope that the NWHL will reveal that. I hope that uh, the peeps at, you know, Victory Press, Ice Garden, Hockey Writers, uh, Die by the Blade, uh, the rest of SB Nation, um, anyone else, you know, some of the other reporters who are working, you know, on this, maybe we'll get some answers to that. Um, you know, I don't know. It'd just be interesting to know. I've talked for a long time considering there was no games played. So eventually games will be played. And I can't wait for that. I don't think any of us can wait for that much longer. But I'm going to wrap it up now. As always, you can find Hockey Aquarium on Twitter at Hockey Aquarium. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Pendries. I'm on Instagram too at Dave Pendries, I think. I don't know. I think it's Dave Pendries. Yeah, it better be. Um, and uh, as always... What is your favorite shark?